Hi, I'm Adam Burton, the pastor at Central Baptist Church. Thank you for checking out this sermon. I pray that it encourages you and helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Well, as grateful as I am for you, please don't allow this message to keep you from connecting with a local church. If you're in our area, we would love for you to check us out at Central Baptist Church. God bless. Have you ever heard the, the statement before that a, a magician never reveals his secrets? Maybe you've got this, this family recipe that's been, been, been passed down from generation to, to generation, from, from mother to daughter to granddaughter and, and so on. And, and then you prepare that, that special dish for your, your work's Thanksgiving potluck and and your coworkers, they go on and on about, oh, about how great of a, a cook that you are. And, and they want you to divulge that special recipe that only your family has ever seen. Now, you could give a, a number of explanations as to why you don't want to reveal that to them. But all you say is, look, a magician never reveals his secrets. You know, there are some secrets that, that are so sacred that it's a crime to reveal them. Espionage is the practice of spying or using spies to obtain secrets, especially regarding a government or, or a business. And the punishment right, is so severe for acts of espionage because you're putting your country or your corporation at great risk. Well, this morning, we are going to look at you know, maybe the, the most perplexing, but also significant mystery in the history of the world. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the New Testament book of Colossians. We're going to be focusing on Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 24 this morning. In the introductory uh, section of, of Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, the apostle, he, he greets the, his readers, as he often does, with, with, with thanksgiving, a prayer of thanksgiving to God for them. He, he prays and, and he teaches through that prayer. And then here in Colossians, he writes a hymn exalting the supremacy of Christ. And when, when you get a new book, <laughs> the, how often do you... Do you kind of skip over the introduction of the book and you move straight into, into to chapter one? You know, because look, some of us, we don't have time for that. We don't want to waste our, our time for the introduction. We want to get into the good stuff that, that you're reading. You know, we get to the, the meat and the potatoes. And, and I would encourage you to not pass over, over the introduction, whether it is the, the Holy Bible or a, a work of fiction. You know, for if we pay attention in the introduction, the author is going to reveal what he seeks to accomplish through that work. Now, this is especially true of the Apostle Paul. See, a good introduction doesn't present everything in, as it would like a, like a Cliff Notes version. But what it does is it whets our appetite to dig in even further. So while we're not to judge a book by its cover, you can usually tell how good a book is going to be by the quality of the introduction. And friends, the book of Colossians is a page-turner. So read with me this morning. Colossians, beginning in 
chapter or verse chapter 1 verse 24 Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church of of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints to them god chose to make known how great among the gentiles are the riches of the glory of his of this mystery which is christ in you the hope of glory him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this, I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word to us. We are grateful that you have chosen not to hide yourself to us, although you would be completely just in doing so. God, instead, you sent Jesus so that we may know you fully. God, I pray. I pray that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit, that you would guide me as I I share your word to these dear saints here today. Lord, may your spirit fill this room. God, may it move in our hearts and in our minds. God, if there's anyone here today, God, that are watching or listening to this message that has not trusted in Jesus as their Savior and Lord, oh, great God, may today be the day that they surrender their lives and trust in your Son, Jesus, to save them from their sins. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The title of this message is The Mystery of Christ. The mystery of, of Christ. And if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you, you know that the, the Apostle Paul here is, is under house arrest in the city of Rome. He's unable to, to leave. He's guarded 24-7 by, by a Roman guards. However, he is able to, to have visitors, and he is still able to minister, although he can't do so in person. In fact, many of his letters were written while he was in prison. Now, Paul suffered greatly, and and he didn't enjoy suffering, but his suffering did not keep him from ministering in the gospel. Not only did Paul suffer persecution and ultimately execution, but he endured physical hardship. Paul reveals in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where he says, So keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. A thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. He said, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Three times he pleaded with the Lord. That he didn't have to endure it, but verse 9 it says, But he said to me, My grace is what it is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. 
Therefore, what I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with, with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, Paul did not wait for the the best of circumstances before he started serving the Lord. He didn't wait for it to get a pardon or clemency to get that jail out or get out of jail free card. He didn't wait till the, the thorn in his flesh left him and he no longer had any physical pain. He didn't wait until people liked him or he built enough rapport with with those that were questionable about who Paul was. Now, when life, got Paul, when life got hard for Paul, he worked even harder for the sake of the gospel. Now, why is that? Why is that he overcame all of these deficiencies, all of these uh, barriers that you know, would, would prevent someone from being effective because for when he was weak, he became strong. You might ask, how can that be? How can you be weak and strong at the, the same time? It's because the strength did not come from himself, but from the Lord. And you know, there's Christians today. Uh, we're waiting for the, the perfect circumstances to, to, to come about in order before we, we start serving the Lord. When I have more money or I, I pay off all of my debt, then I will faithfully give to the church. When I have more time in my schedule or when I, when I feel better, then I will serve the Lord. Or When I feel more confident about the Word of God, then I will be more evangelistic. Or when I get older. Maybe I'll have the respect and the skills to be a leader in the church, or I'm just too old. I can't do it anymore. It's time for the younger people to, to step up. The, the future of the church really depends on them. Now look, every one of these statements makes sense, at least using worldly logic. I mean... You would think we are the strongest when what we are the strongest physically, when we are healthy, when we have the knowledge, when we are secure and have confidence. And it's hard to argue against that. Except that's not what the Bible teaches. No, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you feel that you're too young or you're too old? Do you feel too poor or too busy or too insignificant or too timid? Friend, if that is you, that is exactly the person that God is looking for. You are exactly the person that this church needs. Because if you are weak, then he is strong. 
yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, he loves me. Yes, he loves me. For the Bible tells me so. But not only does God use the weak, but we are to rejoice in our weaknesses, in our sufferings. Look here at verse 24 of Colossians chapter 1. It says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, for the sake of the Colossians. And he said, In in my flesh, in his flesh, that he is filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. So often when we face difficult times and, and, and sufferings, we, we blame God for it. But have you ever thanked God for your suffering? That's what Paul did. And it was because of Paul's suffering that he was able to do what, what Jesus couldn't do. You might hear that statement and think, what, what? I mean, how could Paul do something that, that Jesus could not do? Well, I'm going to tell you, not only was Paul able to do what Jesus could do, but you too can do what Jesus could not do. For we would fully affirm that Jesus is God. Fully divine, but Jesus was also fully man. He was God in the flesh. However, he had the same characteristics that we did, but he did everything without sin. But namely, unlike God the Father, Jesus was not omnipresent. Jesus could only be in one place at one time. And his earthly ministry was limited to about three years. Now, he did so much in those three years, and thousands of people heard him teach. He healed numerous people, but, but his primary ministry was to the Jews. He didn't venture too far outside of, of, of Israel. But Paul, on the other hand, was commissioned by Jesus, remember on that Damascus road when he was blinded by him, to be an apostle, and not just an apostle, but specifically chartered to be an apostle to the Gentiles, to those that are outside of Israel. So Paul left the Holy Land, and he took this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations. That's why he's in Rome, in prison, You see, you are able to do what Paul could not do. You're able to do what Jesus did not do when he was on earth. See, Paul is not alive today. No, he's supposedly his bones are buried outside of Rome, outside of the, the walls of the old city. But you are alive. You are here today. You know, it's tempting to, to become nostalgic about history. You may think, well, I, I remember watching those Billy Graham crusades, or maybe you, you saw him preach to thousands of people when you were a kid. Saying, man, I wish things would be like that again. Or I remember back in those days when we had those two-week revivals and people were getting saved left and right. 
It's also tempting to be consumed with the uncertainty of the future. I think we've seen the decline of the church for decades. We've experienced the challenges that, that the church faces. Maybe we're even tempted to wish that Jesus would just come back today and just remove it all from us. Now, let me be clear. It's not wrong. It's not wrong to desire for Jesus to return. No, it's biblical fact. Maranatha, and there may come, Lord Jesus, come. But the times that I've said it myself, I don't know if fully grasp the implications of that statement. For when Jesus comes, guess what? Our evangelism ministry is finished. There won't be any Lottie Moon or any Armstrong offerings for missions. For when Jesus comes, for those of us that are saved, oh, we get to go to heaven. Praise the Lord. But for those who have not trusted in Jesus, to save them, they will go to hell for eternity. And there's nothing you can do about it. Be sure that Jesus will return, but, but he only at that time that God the Father knows. And so as someone who, who is going to heaven, I, like many of you, I long for that day when we will be in glory. But I also pray and hope that I can take as many of my dear friends with me. For thousands of years, the mystery of uh, the gospel was hidden from, from mankind. It was mysterious. It was, as I kind of shared with the kids, it was a, a, a secret. But that, look here at verse 26. It says, The mystery hidden for ages and the generations, but is now revealed to his saints. You see, this mystery of the gospel was revealed in Bethlehem on that first Christmas morning. The mystery of the gospel was, was finished on the cross on that Good Friday evening, and the mystery of the gospel was exalted on that resurrection morning. See, the mystery of Christ has been revealed to all peoples of all nations. And Paul understood this. That's why he left his home. And he went into Asia to take the gospel. That's why he suffered. That's why he was in Rome in prison. And that's why ultimately he was killed. Because he understood the mission that he was called to. He did so for the church. For our church. For us. And friends, for us weaklings, we have the same mission. Look here at verse 27. Paul says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this ministry, or mystery, sorry, when Christ is in you. 
the hope of glory. What is the mystery? The glory of the mystery of Christ is is not just Jesus, but it's Christ in you, in you, in you, in you, in you. The glory, the beauty of the mystery of Christ is in each and every follower of Jesus. And Christ in you is the hope of glory for a lost and dying world. So if you are truly a Christian, if you believe in the, that Jesus died for your sins and that he rose from the grave, if you have Christ in you, then, then you have everything. You are equipped with everything that you need to make his glory known. And Paul tells us how to do it. Look here at verse 28. It says, Him, Jesus, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with what? With all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. You can usually tell what Paul is emphasizing through repetition. What word in this verse does Paul use more than any other? In one sentence, he uses the word everyone, not once, not twice, but three times. I think sometimes we... We complicate the mission. We try to come up with strategies and this as to who and how we are to make His glory known. But to be honest, we, we really shouldn't spend that much time figuring out who we are to proclaim Jesus to. We should go to India to preach Jesus to the poor villagers. We should go to Rome, Italy and sit with Alex in a coffee shop, sharing how the hope of Jesus has transformed my life. We should go to eastern Kentucky and share with Jesus with the family whose home or trailer has been destroyed because of a flood. We proclaim Jesus in our church. We teach Jesus to our children. And we should guide our co-workers to Christ. See, the mystery of the gospel was hidden for generations, for thousands of years in the Old Testament. But now that mystery has been revealed to us. And we should take that mystery, not keep it secret, not hide it under a bush. Oh, no. No, we should take it everywhere and to everyone that we can. And we do so not just so that they they get to go to heaven and and get out of hell, hell. But look what Paul says here. He says, the goal is that they would be what? They would present everyone mature in Christ. You see something similar in the Great Commission, right? says to baptize and to make disciples, to teach them. You know, if just 
getting people saved and getting them baptized, if that is our only focus, and don't get me wrong, I think it's a very important focus. But if that's all we do, then we fail. See, the goal here is to present everyone mature in Christ. How do we become mature in the faith? Well, you can't be mature if you don't spend time in in God's Word, in studying the Word. That's why we place such a high value in in Sunday school, in gathering with with other believers, sitting under the teaching of a, a of, of a gifted Sunday school teacher. The reason we do that is, in part, so that we will grow in the knowledge of our Lord. But it does so much more than, than that. It matures us in the faith. Because when we have several friends and, 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 and close people, people that are with us, that they encourage us in the faith. They also can hold us accountable to make sure that we are maturing, that we are growing in our faith. I wonder sometimes if we we try to avoid getting, really just kind of jumping all in into the church because we just want to, you know, we just sometimes just want to make sure that you know, we're there, but if we get too close, then you know what? They might be pushed into an area that we, we don't want to go. But we're also called to worship. We're also called not just to sing songs or listen to worship music on the radio or, or listen to, to preach. You know, we are to sit in the church in together with the family of God, a local church, and worship Him. You know, I mean, in, in, you know, in today's time, we're, you know, in some ways we're so, we have access to far more than we have ever had before. But sadly, studies have shown, not just in the, you know, uh, Christian studies in, in the church, but that the more connected that we are, the more access we have to information, the, the least engaged we are. And, and I think that's because it's, we've kind of reversed the roles. In, and while I think the church has kind of lagged in the rest of the world, we're catching up pretty quickly. Because the rest of the, uh, the world with the, the media and entertainment is is. You know, it used to be you had three channels that you wanted to watch, and whether you wanted, if you wanted to watch TV, you watched what was on. Now you've got Netflix and YouTube, and you know what? You watch five minutes, you don't like this, then boom, all right, I'm going to switch over to, to something else. And uh, you know what? I used to, you, you bought a, an album or a CD, and you would listen to it. Until now, you don't have to. If you only like one song, you just get on Spotify and listen to that one Everything in this world is all about me. And I think that's crept into the, to the church as well. You know what? If, 
you know, if I don't get everything that I want, well, I'll, I'll just go out here and find, and I'll, I'll take a little bit over here. Maybe I like this type of preaching, and I go and I watch this preacher on YouTube, but then he says something I don't like, and I'm going to flip over to this person, or I like this type of music, and I'll listen to this. But then, you know what? And the problem is, if we live that way, we're going to be up and down like a seesaw because our wants and our desires change almost on a daily basis. But when we gather together, when we come, when we sacrifice for the church, it matures us. It grows us. It strengthens us sometimes, and honestly, most of the time in my life, it is enjoyable. And I can't imagine doing or being anywhere or doing anything else. But sometimes God grows us the most. He matures us the most in those trials, in those struggles. be honest, if anybody had a right to say that, I think it would be the Apostle Paul. The reason he is in prison is because he wouldn't close his mouth about Jesus. Guess what? 2,000 years later, we have Paul to thank because he wouldn't keep his mouth closed. You know, as think of secrets, of mystery. Think back to the, the family recipe. <laughs> We've been shared the greatest recipe the world has ever known. It's the love of Jesus Christ, that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to live the perfect and sinless life that we couldn't live, to die the sinner's death that we deserve and to defeat sin and death when he rose from the grave. And friends, there are those out there that are desperately looking for hope. They're looking hard. Sadly, they're looking in the wrong places. Sometimes we, have, we just need to open our, our eyes and our ears and our minds to listen to what people are saying. They may not come out and say, how do I get saved and go to heaven? But when they start talking about hopelessness and failure and struggles, Buddy, that's God saying, hey, slide right in there. Slide right in there. Get, tell them about the hope that you have. It's Christ in you. And we reveal his glory when we do that. Don't say, don't say, well, uh, a magician never reveals his secrets. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> May we entrust that to everyone that we see and everyone that, we, that hears the glory of Christ in us. Thank you for listening to this message. To listen to other messages and to learn more about Central Baptist Church, visit our website at cbcmaysville.com.